Welcome to this episode of the Sword and Trial. Uh, Graham and I are coming to you today in the wake of the slaughter in Nashville of six innocent lives and seeing what has happened in response to that with heavy hearts and deeply concerned. And as we've talked about it amongst ourselves and with our fellow elders and with people here in our church in Cape Coral, it just seemed fitting that we should try to have a conversation about that as well on this episode of The Sword and Trial. So we appreciate you being part of this. Uh, Graham, it's hard to put into words Mm. the things that we have seen, not only in the reporting of what took place in that massacre at the uh, Covenant Christian School in Nashville, but the aftermath as mm-hmm. well. And you know, as Christians, it's, it's a challenge to process this in proper ways. And I've seen almost A to Z from Christian pastors saying, you know, no, man, this is the time we've got to be uh, nothing but compassionate and humble and recognize, you know, that the transgendered community has been oppressed. And so we don't want to add to that to those that say we need to go and just burn down uh, everything that is being promoted by the radical left and transgenderism. And it's a, I understand both extremes and we need to try to think about it biblically. And as we've tried to do that ourselves here, um, there's just been a lot of challenges with it, but the Bible speaks to these things. Mm. And uh, you and I were talking earlier about one of the Proverbs that God has given to us in the word that at least ought to frame a large part of our approach to these kinds of issues. Why don't you, why don't you talk about that? Read that for us and talk about it. Yeah. Proverbs 24, 24 and 25 says, Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. And, uh, you know, first off, just thinking about what happened last Monday, um, just grieved and um, sorrowful and grieving with uh, the families of the victims and the whole congregation there at Covenant PCA and the school there at Covenant Christian school um and seeing the reality of what what actually happened i mean these are six martyrs yeah um and you know somebody could say well how do you know that they were all christians well from my vantage point they were members of a church they were members of a christian school they were christian people who were martyred for their faith uh and victimized in that way by a wicked wicked person um, and, and being able to acknowledge the wickedness that took place there, not just murder, but uh, ideologically motivated murder of our brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. um, because they serve the living God. And the way in which the church responds to this, and we need to be clear, um, but then just seeing the way that society as a whole, but particularly those who are in power and particularly those who are in power on the left, whether it be in the media or in government circles, um, the way that they're addressing this situation is also grievous. Yeah. Um, basically saying, yeah, you know what? These people were murdered, but look at the backlash. Yeah. Look at the backlash that's going to come against the trans community. And, and the trans community is just being attacked. Um, and basically trying to defend uh, the actions that have taken place and trying to make it as though uh, the trans community has been attacked when six Christians have been martyred yeah. for their faith. Yeah. And it's just wicked. I mean, you and I have talked about the response of President Joe Biden and his administration. Yeah. And what they've done is they have said to the wicked, you are in the right. Yeah. It's, and, and that's a, 
that's God's judgment. There's further indication of just how deep we are into the judgment of God. Don't ask yourself the question, uh, will God judge America? God is judging mm. America. And so that needs to frame our response as well. But the scripture's not silent on these things. And there's a ton of passages in the Bible we could appeal to, but there's just a few, including the proverb that you read, that ought to undergird our thinking. Uh, I'm reminded of this verse in Isaiah 5:20. Woe to those who call good uh, evil good and good evil, and who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's another woe that is pronounced mm-hmm. upon those who would look at wickedness and somehow uh, try to diminish it. Mm-hmm. as if this is not that bad or that the wickedness is something that is actually in some form virtuous. There's mm-hmm. no virtue in transgenderism. It is wicked. Mm-hmm. It is a rebellion against God and God's creation. Mm-hmm. And anything less than that as a starting point for thinking about this is contrary to the word of God. Now, you know, Joe Biden put up that meme of, you know, this is a, the, the day of uh, visibility for trans people and they have dignity, respect, and, and uh, ought to be treated with that. Well, absolutely, you know, they should be treated as image bearers of God, but they should be treated as image bearers of God who have intentionally distorted that image and have run headlong in opposite directions from what God has created them to be. And this is a Romans 1 situation mm-hmm. where Paul describes that uh, increase of depravity that is a reversal of God's good creation. So we've got these kind of passages. I was, I was reminded of, of Ezekiel's warning when he talks about the watchman on the wall. And if the watchman sees the sword coming and he says, there's a sword coming and people just laugh or ignore it and then they are slaughtered Well, their blood is on their own head. But if the watchman sees it and refuses to say anything, they'll be slaughtered but he will be held accountable. And I think about that from the standpoint of us as pastors, as leaders of Christ's people in local churches. And I, I feel that weight. There, there's, a, there's a stewardship that burdens me and robs me of sleep in trying to think about how do we shepherd the people of God through these days where we see the, the rise of godlessness and the, uh, the kind of... Uh, normalizing of hatred, opposition, and wanting to destroy biblical Christianity and biblical Christians. And again, I know, you know we're, we're led as sheep to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. And so this is not anything new. These things have happened in the past. But in our context, uh, this is something that is unprecedented. Yeah. We've but, not experienced it. But it will not remain so. No, um, not at I all. think that this will be... Uh, an attack that we will look back on for years to come as probably the first of many. And it, you know, we, and Christians need to get used to this. We need to get used to thinking in this way. It's what Christians have dealt with from the beginning. Um, We have been persecuted for our faith. And now Christians in America, Christians in the West live in a society where it, when it happens, it's just going to kind of be glossed over. Yeah. Like, 
like it doesn't really matter or it was just it was kind of necessary yeah. because just think of what the trans community has dealt with it just kind of was necessary that's right yeah the trans resistance network has put out this uh statement you know yeah it was really sad that this happened and is a, is a tragedy but it's a double tragedy mm-hmm. and you, you'll see this in all of their protests now is some of them are holding up seven fingers there's seven victims you know it's not the six that she assassinated that she martyred uh wickedly but she also is a victim mm-hmm. well I mean, in one sense, this plays into the very thinking that we've heard from so-called ethicist Christian leaders who mm-hmm. say, oh, no, no, the women who voluntarily go and slaughter their children in the womb, they're victims. Mm-hmm. It's the same thinking. Yeah. And people who have been upset with us because we have said, look, that is not the way to frame this. Biblically, uh, I hope we'll be willing to step back and say, you know what? It's the same thinking. How can you say to the transgender community and to those who are promoting that, that they're wrong to call this woman a victim in the same way, on the same level of those three children and three adults that she assassinated and then uh, not not say that about women. It's the same thing. You've got to have it the same way. And then the question has to be asked, you know, if, if this murderer is a victim, who has victimized her? That's right. In their minds. In their yeah. minds, the ones who have victimized her are Covenant Presbyterian Church. That's right. The very people Covenant she killed. Covenant Christian School and Christians who uh, deny the realities that they are saying are true of transgenderism. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been victimized. Uh, Christians have denied her existence, etc. cetera. Uh, therefore, she's been victimized by the people that she victimized. Yeah. You know, I remember um, <clears throat> when the terrorists flew those planes into the towers and the Pentagon 9-11. And one of the things that came about through that horrific day is that leftists and, and the media were willing to use the word evil again. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, nothing's evil uh, we, when these are just different belief systems and whatever, but people were readily willing to use the word evil. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing that as much now across yeah. the board. I yeah. hear Christians say it, but when they're saying it, they're being slapped by those on the left and even some within the Christian community. Don't talk like that. You know, if mm-hmm. you talk like that, then transgendered people are not going to feel comfortable coming to you for counsel or, or you won't be able to witness to them to uh, explain to them the gospel and how they can be forgiven and redeemed and reconciled to God. Well, they certainly can be saved. They can be saved from their evil. Yeah. And we don't do people any favors by withholding from them the truth. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that transgenderism is a perversion of God's good order. It is evil. And those that would placate them are simply encouraging them further down the pathway of evil that will lead to their everlasting damnation under the wrath of God. Yeah. Now, I, I know people are going to hear that and say, man, you're a, you're a hate monger. Uh, you're, you're just promoting uh, more violence against transgender people. Not at all. They need to be saved just mm-hmm. like we need to be saved. They need to be saved from their wickedness just like you and I needed to be saved from our wickedness. And we don't love them or serve them by suggesting that their wickedness is anything other than it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hate seeing come from some circles in the evangelical Christian world right now. Well, there's so much moral perversion that just has totally 
infiltrated our society and sometimes seeps its way into the church. You know, um, Michael Knowles, a political commentator, tweeted out the scripture, beloved, do not seek vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So he's basically saying, you know, Christians are not violent. We don't seek vengeance. He was taken off of Twitter because of it. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Because of this moral perversion that you can't even say something like that. Um, you know, the... Uh, the comedian Norm Macdonald one time illustrated it so well in the way that only Norm Macdonald can. He said, you know, one of my friends, one of his greatest fears is that ISIS would get a hold of a, a dirty bomb and they'd set it off in a city and just kill tens of millions of innocent people. Because just imagine what the backlash against the Muslim community would be, <laughs> you know. And But that's the moral perversion. Yeah. That's the way that we think ethically in this community. So you got Karine Jean-Pierre, the president's press secretary, coming out not even a week after these no, Christians are right. murdered. And she says, our, our thoughts and our prayers go out to the trans community who's under attack right now. The trans community is under right, attack. Right, right. Yeah, it's a I member know. of the trans community that just killed six Christians. And, and again, uh, we pray for President Biden almost every week in our worship services. It's just a part of our liturgy to uh, heed First Timothy 2, to pray for those in authority. And uh, we do that unapologetically. I prayed for, I forget how many administrations, you know, in the course of my pastoral ministry. Um, but what President Biden did, what his administration is doing in the wake of this is wicked. Mm -hmm. It is wicked. It is evil. And, um, and it doesn't do us any good. And Christians are not being faithful to Jesus Christ if they stutter in saying that or they mm -hmm. hesitate to say that. President Biden has promoted evil in many ways, but especially in what he has done in the wake of this tragedy. And, and I, I can hear it right now. You know, Tom, you're being partisan or you're getting into politics. No, I'm trying to be a watchman on the wall. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say there's a sword coming. This is right. This is wrong. This is evil. This is good. And God's people, if, if we don't acknowledge that and stand for that and mm -hmm. declare the grace of God in Christ for evil, wicked people, then nobody else is going to do it. And, and again, it's through our culture. I mean, the, the Country Music Awards celebrated drag queens in their recent award ceremony. I was reading about that just today. And you think, how in the world? On country music, really? Yeah. If country music is celebrating drag queen story hours, then you know our culture is gone. Yeah, the in NHL so has done similar things, which is just yeah. the NHL of all things. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So... I mean, we, we want to help our people and we want to help other Christians and certainly other Christian leaders, pastors to think rightly about these things. And so what should those of us who know Jesus Christ think and what should we say and what should we do in the wake of this tragedy? Well, be unapologetic and unhesitant to say everything the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Read those verses that talk about wickedness and that declare the danger of those who promote wickedness, who call evil good and good evil, and be willing to apply it to mm -hmm. anybody, whether it's presidents, whether it's fellow Christian pastors, uh, whether it's your next door neighbor, neighbor, be willing to apply it and say, nope, this is what the word of God says. But do that not as a license then to go off and try to take justice into your own hands. No, uh, do that recognizing this world is going in, in, in our context, is going at breakneck speed down to hell. And the only antidote, the only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, here we are in the Holy Week leading mm-hmm. up to the time when the whole world, by and large, will stop and recognize and commemorate and remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Well, brothers and sisters, there's never been a more important day in our lifetimes than right now to proclaim that. We have a God who raises people from the dead. And while I am all for standing in the public square uh, and declaring God's law and saying, this is what the Lord says, and thus shall we be held accountable for what God requires of us as image bearers. We must do that unapologetically. We must never do that having forgotten or in any way just assumed that the only hope is a crucified, risen Savior. Mm -hmm. And so, man, we need to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. We need to be willing to stand and say, this world is under the wrath of God. This, This generation is under judgment. And the only escape from the wrath to come is that crucified, risen man, Jesus Christ. There's no better time. There's no greater need. And I don't know, we were again talking about this amongst ourselves as elders, and uh, we're just we're burdened. We're we're making plans to start calling for uh, prayer and fasting because this is our only hope. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be despondent and say, "Oh, there's no hope." No, there is great hope, but it's in one place. Yep. And until we see that and are filled with the urgency and the the sense of hope that is found in the risen Christ and act appropriately, which for us will mean that we pray and we preach Mm -hmm. what God's entrusted to us. Um, All of our other efforts are just silly. They're they're empty. Well, and this is, there's spiritual uh, warfare going on in a way that I've not seen in my lifetime. And I don't think that our, our society has seen in at least decades. Um, and there's only one way to for Christians to engage in spiritual warfare, and that's through prayer and proclamation. Um, and so we need to be busy about doing that. And, and part of what is this this type of tragedy is designed by the enemy to do is to intimidate Christians into not proclaiming what is true. Um, and like I said, I think that you know we'll look back on this tragedy as maybe the first of many to come. And Christians need to not be afraid of that. That's right. Um, we need to not fear what is frightening because we have a God who has created heaven and earth, a God who reigns over this entire world, a God who will uh, come again and consummate his kingdom. Um, you know, he is our God and yeah. he is our father and Amen. we are his children. And so we can proclaim the truth without fear, even though there are frightening things in this world um, and trust that he will always do what is right. Yeah. And so we've got all these emotions. I mean, I, I do. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. At the wickedness that happened there, I I am um, tempted to be uh, despondent. You know, Maranatha, come Lord, because there's there's nothing uh, else that can can help us here. Um, there's a, a temptation to become cynical mm-hmm. and just think, well, this is you know, all that there's ever going to be. There's a temptation to just kind of close in and pull the blinds and pull the covers up over your head and, and hope that when you wake up it'll go away. There, all kinds of temptations, but. With that, we've got to be people of hope. We've got to come back to what we know. I, I think what's happened in, in my lifetime, certainly, and I've faced it and I have to try to fight it uh, and encourage our church to fight against it too, is there's a temptation to uh, to lose confidence in the power of the gospel. It's It's like we see this morass of wickedness or we see a person who is so given over to perversion mm-hmm. and rebellion against God that 
though we might not ever say it, we allow ourselves to think it and be affected in our actions by it. That's not going to change. Mm-hmm. There's no hope for that per- person. You know, uh, we just we need to cut our losses there. And we've got to come back to what the Bible says. So that 1 Corinthians 6 passage that Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. we got to believe this. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. We must be willing to say that to people who identify and who are uh, these types of sinners. But then he goes on to say so quickly, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. We need to probably get back in touch with what we once were. Mm-hmm. And it, as congregations, just remind ourselves, because we've got among us those who fit every one of these categories, mm-hmm. and, and we ourselves are a part of these categories. And if we were that, and yet we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been redeemed, then the very power of Jesus Christ that redeemed us is still available to redeem the most perverted rebellion against God that this world has seen. And that kind of hope will cause us to pray, and it'll cause us to take our stand in lovingly, unapologetically proclaiming the Word of God. This is the word of life. And again, brothers and sisters, I, we would want to encourage every Christian to take God at his word with joy, humility, and without any fear to set that word forth because this is the only hope that the world has. If there's going to be change in our culture, there's going to be change in our lifetimes. If we're going to see drag queens become evangelists of Jesus Christ, it'll be through the power of the gospel. And the only people that God's given the gospel to is the church of Jesus Christ. We're stewards of it. So we have a responsibility to proclaim it. Mm-hmm. So as pastors, as fellow Christians, as those who uh, grieve in the wake of this horrific tragedy or trying to assess it biblically, we just want to encourage all of God's people, pray fast plead with God to come and awaken us, to revive his work in this day, and to realize that that work that needs to be revived is the work of praying and preaching, praying, seeking power from heaven, and proclaiming the God who has given us his word and who promises salvation to all who turn from sin and trust his crucified and risen Savior. That's our desire, that's our hope, that's our prayer. Uh, We encourage you to join with us in this as we continue to try to represent Jesus Christ in this world. Thanks for joining us today for this conversation.